Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Wow, we're so happy to be here with you guys. Uh, this morning, we're just going to share a little bit about uh, our journey through foster care. Both of us will be telling some stories. Um, I, re- I remember in uh, October of 2019, um, we jumped into foster care training. Um, we, didn't, we didn't do it just because, well, I, I would say like we didn't do it because I like wanted to. It's more that like God was speaking to us about it. And I felt really ill-equipped. Um, and so we jumped into it, though, through uh, nine weeks, every Wednesday night for three hours. We sat in a room with 20 other people trying to figure out what was going to happen. Um, but again, like I said, I was full of worry, doubt. Um, the biggest question I had was, what happens when you get a kid, get a placement, and you develop a bond, and then they get reunified with their parents. What happens? Like, that's hard. So I felt completely ill-equipped that this was way too big for us, uh, that we didn't have what we needed. My question to you today, has you, have you ever felt like you were faced with something that was beyond your capacity? I love that Brian spoke about the fishes and the loaves last week a little bit, where you have these 12 doubting disciples and Jesus gives them uh, two fishes and five loaves of bread and says, feed all these people. I for sure think they were thinking, we don't have what we need, Jesus. I think the question, though, that comes to my mind, what could he do through a church of almost 1,000 people who are committed to faithfully serving, loving, caring for, and including the fatherless, even when our individual capacities are full? What could he do? So we want to look at Isaiah 58 this morning. Yeah, Isaiah 58, 10 through 12 says, If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt, and you shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. Have you ever read something and thought, that makes absolutely no sense? (laughs) Or maybe you've looked at something and you've thought, that doesn't look right. Well, I think these verses are similar to Jesus's life and ministry. I think Jesus did this a lot where he flips stuff upside down for people. I mean, he did it in Matthew 19 where he says, the first will be last and the last shall be first. And I ran track in high school and I know that when you got last, if you finished last, not first. Uh, so that doesn't make any sense. Uh, but also in, in Matthew 6 on the Sermon on the Mount, he said, you've heard it said this, but I say this. He was flipping things. And I think these verses are no different. If we pour ourselves out, we will be filled. I love that this also is not necessarily a command to us, but it's an invitation. 
Jesus is inviting us to do the exact same thing he did. In Philippians 2, 7, it says, he emptied himself. We get to follow Jesus' example in this. If we pour ourselves out for the hungry and satisfy the desires of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. If you pour yourself out, you will be filled. Some of you may be in this place. Some of you may be in a a dark place. I know stepping into foster care, we were fully anticipating stepping into darkness. Um, I I love David, King David's uh, encouragement in Psalm 139. It says, even the darkness is light to God. And you may be thinking, okay, what is, okay, Elijah, you're talking about this. What does it look like? And so, like I said, we'll share a few stories. But in February of 2021, uh, we received the placement of our foster son who's still in our care. He's about 16 months old when he came to us. Um, If you were close to my wife and I and our family, you would know that uh, my son and I's relationship uh, has not been the greatest. Uh, It's been a very difficult relationship. And uh, he, the way he would respond to me was uh, like I had hurt him or rejected him or did something to him. I don't know all that trauma does to people, but I do know that it really does affect people. And I've seen the effect on my son. And in reality, I was just giving him security, love, care, consistency. And in this moment, I felt like I was in a dark an isolated place. Um, I mean, he even, even with other guys that were around, like he, he'll have fun with them, he'll play with them, but with me, it was just like, he constantly, it's just this battle. He, cl- he clung to Anna. So this is what this looked like. I would come home from work, and he'd been clinging to Anna all day, so I'd be like, all right, I'm gonna give her a break. Take him into the playroom, and I'd try to play with him, and he'd scream, and he'd cry, and he'd hold his breath, and I'd hold him, and he'd do this for over an hour every day. This is what we did. I was at the end of myself. I, I didn't know what to do. I told Anna, I was like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to change. Our relationship was broken. He literally, he didn't want anything to do with me. And so during a week of prayer and fasting in May of 2021, I felt at the end of myself. I needed something to change. (laughs) I fully anticipated God to change him. It's like, God, you need to change what's happening. (laughs) I can't take this anymore. Uh, But as God often does, he changed me. Through that week, I found myself confronted and comforted of how much God loved me, even though I rejected him. And he he experienced um, isolation, deep hurt from me that he didn't deserve. But yet he still loved me and called me a son. So again, I was both 
confronted, convicted, and comforted by this, that my love for my son was not dependent whether he loved me or not. It was securely, steadfastly secure in Jesus's love and mercy for me. So in the darkness that I experienced, my light began to rise like the noonday where I had joy, worship, change of heart with my son. That's good. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that, babe. Um, so verse 11 says, the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in the scorched places. He'll make your bones strong. You'll be like a watered garden and like a spring of water. Are you on tissue duty? Thank you. <laughs> it's already happening. <laughs> um, so I just want to acknowledge through these scriptures, um, we see that when we follow God, sometimes the places that he leads us are scorched and not pleasant to be in. Um, and if you follow him, you might get some ash on you. Um, but he's not calling us to the comfort and ease of this world. He's calling us to something greater. Um, <clears throat> but even when he calls us into a dry place, a scorched place, he does promise that he's going to be with us. He is going to satisfy our desires. He is going to guide us. And he's going to fill us with a water that doesn't fail. Um, <clears throat> when Lijah and I entered the world of foster care, uh, we had really big dreams for what God could do through us for others. Um, but like Elijah said, one of the biggest miracles that we've seen him do is actually what he's done in us, a deep work that he's wanted to do in us. And, and that's actually by showing us that he's the satisfaction in the darkness. He's the satisfaction when we're thirsty and hungry and he's given us himself. But there's also been some other miracles that have taken place. Um, but I want to share a personal story about being in a scorched place. Um, so like I just said, in February of uh, 2021, we received our 16-month-old foster son. And as you heard, not a smooth transition, not super easy. And to add to an already overwhelming situation, two months into him being placed with us, we were um, shocked by an unexpected pregnancy. <clears throat> and I remember sitting there and thinking, I can't do this. I can't do this. Um, I'm already drowning here. Like, how in the world am I going to bring another child into this situation? Um, so I plummeted. Um, and it was two months in, and our foster son showed us no affection, very little growth. And the day after I had taken that positive pregnancy test, I was having one of those days where I was losing my mind. Don't know if you've ever been there before, but I was there. So I was angry. This child only communication skills was screaming. So I felt like I was going to lose my mind. I needed space. So I shoved him in the pack and play and I locked myself in the bathroom, which if you're a mom, you know, that's the sanctuary of all mothers. <laughs> so I went there and I threw a fit. I said, God, you have to break in here because I don't know what to do. And I'm about to quit on this precious 18 month old boy because I am lost and I don't have the tools that I need. And as I quieted myself, 
I just heard the Holy Spirit whisper to me, skin to skin time. And I thought, Lord, that's the last thing I want to do is hold this baby close. I'm so angry. But I did it. I took him upstairs and I held him like a newborn and I cradled him and I rocked him. And then I heard the Holy Spirit say, he'll grow when he knows he's your son. And I emerged from that interaction with my son and with the Holy Spirit, um, just feeling newly equipped and determined, this is my son, and no matter how long he's with me, I am going to treat him as my own. Um, A few days after that, um, we actually had a miscarriage. Which, if you've been there, you know that's a scorched place. Um, And this is just a sweet gift from God that that same day, our son who had showed us no affection, spontaneously threw his arms around my neck and said, I love you, Mommy. I journaled later that day that we simultaneously lost one child and gained another. God satisfied my desire in that scorched place. And he guided me when I couldn't fathom another way forward besides quitting. And he's continued to show himself faithful to do these things. We may not always be able to see it, but when we follow him, we transform. He takes the dried, burnt up bits of us and creates something more beautiful than we could ever, ever imagine. And just like in that, he, he can turn something so, uh, we've shared some hard stories, but he can turn these moments into amazing, amazing moments. And in June of 2020, we received our first placement, a little girl, beautiful little girl, love her so much. Uh, but she also came with a mom that was amazing. Uh, we got to build relationships. She was in our home. Um, Baby girl got reunified with her mom, uh, but it didn't stop there. Uh, We were able to invite her to church. Uh, She got plugged into a community group. Um, One of our friends led her to Christ. And in February of 2021, Anna and I got to baptize our baby girl's mom. Isn't that good? I love that story, and I'm sure you do too. It's such a beautiful picture of what God can do when we engage these things. And, you know, what if that was the norm for us at Jubilee? What if that was a regular occurrence? What could God do with a church of a thousand people that are committed to serving, loving, and caring for these vulnerable children in our community? Well, verse 12 says exactly what will happen. It says, and your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt And, you know, we don't have to look far to see things that need to be rebuilt, things that are broken. And that was the same for the people of Israel. That's who Isaiah was writing to in this this book. And so the people of Israel had lost their way. They had lost sight of God's heart and his plan, and they had turned away from him. And they found themselves in exile at a place called Babylon. And so their, their walls, their cities, their streets, Even their treasured capital city of Jerusalem probably would have been left in shambles, broken down, and literally as this verse described, uh, in ruins. But 
the reality is that God's always been about rebuilding. So that's been his plan ever since the beginning. From Genesis 2, when sin enters the equation, you know, there was a breach in the walls of our hearts. Sin got in, and it's been uh, leaving destruction and chaos in its wake ever since. And so we see these ruins everywhere we look. It's like we, there's fragments of God's perfect world just in pieces on the ground. And sometimes we, we, we see glimpses. We think this isn't the way it should be. You know, I see how, I see a glimpse of what it could be like, but this isn't the way that it should be. It's a broken piece of God's perfect world lying on the ground. And this became real for us when we took our fourth placement, uh, who has been a part of our family uh, for almost two years now. Um, we had experienced one beautiful reunification our, for our first placement, and then we had two short-term placements following that. But this one definitely was different. And because he's in foster care, I'll be referring to him uh, using the nickname that he has been given in our household, which is Bubby, B-U-B-B-Y, okay? Bubby, a.k.a. Chubby Bubby, a.k.a. the tank, a.k.a. the big kahuna, okay? <laughs> and if you've seen this kid run around these halls, you will know exactly why he deserves every single one of those nicknames. He is two, and he is the size of a small vehicle. I taught him how to football tackle the other week, and that was the biggest mistake I've made in my entire life. My knees are feeling it right now. Um, so the reality is every kid that comes into foster care has experienced some degree of brokenness. We know that um, that needs to be rebuilt. And in this situation, Bubby had some pretty significant medical needs. Um, we didn't actually know the extent of those needs until we had said yes, and he was already in our care. That's overwhelming. Uh, talk about being uh, beyond your capacity. That was exactly where we were at. And two weeks in, though, we knew, we knew something wasn't right. You know, he would cry the majority of most days, and there were times where he just seemed completely unresponsive, like nothing there, no, no emotions, no expression. I mean, almost just like glazed over. And doctors kept reassuring us like, like he'll be fine. Um, but in our spirits, we just knew something was off and we were really concerned about his health. And so um, we felt led to just pers persist for some further testing and which we eventually got. And we were given a few short days to actually prepare him to go in for minor brain surgery, which felt overwhelming at the time. But it just so happens that we were at that moment also getting ready to step into a week of prayer and fasting as a church, uh, which side note, second week of January, you're going to want to participate in that one. And you're going to find out why here in just a second. Uh, people got on their knees and prayed. Uh, my wife was on her knees praying. My wife's a prayer warrior. She loves to do that, and I'm blessed by it. I was on my knees. I was not praying. I was just exhausted from having five kids. Like, <laughs> that was the only reason I was on my knees. Um, but, you know, God saw somebody's faith in that situation, even if it wasn't mine. Probably theirs. Um, and, and Bubby got radically healed. So I'm not talking, like, like days before the surgery. Like, we were literally at the hospital, he's in scrubs, getting ready to be put under and wheeled back for surgery. And we suddenly noticed like, this is the most responsive and expressive I've ever seen this child be. Um, we noticed some physical differences that hadn't been that way until that, that moment. 
And so we started to just like ask, like, could we have the doctor just come in one more time just to check him before this thing happens? And so, uh, so with some convincing, the surgeon did come in, checked him, looked him over, and he was completely perplexed, confused. Like, what, what did you do from the last time that I saw you to now? And we literally had no answer aside from the fact that, you know, we had been praying. And so the doctor immediately cancels surgery and sends us home. Yeah. Because of God's ability to repair what's broken and because of the prayers of faithful people, a boy that was expected to have severe mental and physical delays is now a very happy and healthy two-year-old boy who is hitting so many of his two-year milestones, which seemed so impossible just 20 months ago. And let me tell you, we are walking in that miracle today. It's been such a joy to see this boy grow and thrive. And we aren't just witnessing that miracle today. We get to see the effects of that miracle uh, through generations and maybe through his family and on and on it goes, which is exactly what uh, this next part of the verse alludes to. Man, these stories never get old. <laughs> I've heard it three times this morning. I'm still like, oh my gosh. Um, so prior to uh, fostering, we had plenty of kids already. Uh, we had three biological and one adopted through domestic adoption. And um, when we would share with people that we felt like God was uh, calling us into fostering, um, some people just thought we were crazy, which you have to be a little bit nuts to have this many kids. But um, like we've seen um, in this scripture, sometimes God calls us to things that just don't make sense. And when he invites us into something that feels beyond our capacity, the one thing over and over we can rely on are his promises, right? Like we've heard Anna share, he will satisfy you when you feel like you're drowning. He will be your light in the darkness. He will give you the strength you need. He will rebuild what's broken and he will not fail and God is inviting each of us um, to expand the borders of our hearts and we just believe that he's wanting to invite us this morning to maybe expand the borders um, of our idea of family which at times will feel really uncomfortable and um, sometimes horribly inconvenient like we've heard already but also we've heard already that like God is faithful over and over and over um, we're not just talking about fostering and adoption. That's just uh, a branch off of a beautiful larger tree of God's mission to restore all things back to the way they were. But this can happen in various ways. Um, growing up, my parents were really incredible at displaying um, what it was like to um, expand the borders of our family. Uh, we had um, people live with us for months and years at a time. Uh, Every Sunday, my, my mum would make extra food um, to uh, invite someone back on, a, on um, after church who didn't have a home. Um, we uh, unofficially adopted youth in our, foster, um, in our uh, youth group um, into moments that would have been really easy to guard for just biological uh, family. And my parents' commitment to expanding the borders of our family has absolutely had general, generational impact not only for the, the people that they welcomed in, for, but for like me, my siblings, our kids, their kids. They stepped across the boundary 
family boundary lines. And I didn't realise how much this would affect me until I moved here at the ripe old age of 20, newly married to this wonderful man. And um, it was the first time I found myself like 6,000 miles away from the nearest uh, family member or people I'd grown up with. And over the last 12 years, God has continued to push the borders and um, knock down walls of my idea of family. And whether that's um, through you know, people in this room who've become like dear family to me and my kids, or um, whether it's kids who've come into our home that don't share our DNA, or um, our love for their biological families that we're interacting with. And uh, when we look at the life of Jesus, uh, we see that he does this more than anyone. Um, he he stepped over those um, cultural lines, social lines, economic lines, and he ate with them, spent time with them, and in the process, totally redefined their identity. And we see in Matthew 12, 48, Jesus was with a crowd, and um, someone came to inform him that uh, his mother Mary and his brothers were waiting uh, to speak to him, and his response is this, who is my mother, and who are my brothers, pointing to his disciples, He said, here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of the Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now just pause here for a second. I think if I was Mary, my response would have been like, "Um, excuse me, Jesus, Um, which is funny how they don't include her response in the scripture. But anyway, um, I've read this scripture before and totally breezed past it. And there um, recently read it and it has just felt so profound to me. Like in that moment, Jesus was totally like leveling the playing field, Um, not not de-ranking biological family, but he was elevating a new definition of family, his definition of family that was centered on God and not DNA. Yeah, that's right. Guys, if my wife keeps preaching, we're going to have enough kids in our family to fill a football team. (laughs) It's too good. Uh, Bubby would actually be a great football player, so part of me is like, thinks that might be fun. Um... When she first shared that scripture and that idea with me, I was just like, oh my gosh, that's it. Like Jesus, that's Jesus's definition of family. And that's, that's like what I want for our family. You know, that's what I want for our community, our church family. Yeah. And it got me thinking, you know, the, the global church is known for uh, many things, you know, some good and some bad, but what if it was known for this, you know, what if... We, Jubilee Church, were, we were known as a family without borders. What if Jubilee was known for having fathers who cared for the fatherless or um, mothers who fostered pregnant teens and helped them raise their children? What if we were defined not by our capacity, but by God's sufficiency? What do you want Jubilee's reputation to be? What do you want us to be known for? You know, the scripture says, If you pour yourselves out, if you satisfy the afflicted, then you shall be called what? Repairers of the breach, restorers of the streets. You shall be called. This affects our reputation. It's actually saying, if we do this, we'll be known for this. If you do these things, you'll be known for these things. That's an amazing promise. So the question is, what do you want to be called? What do you want to be known for? What do you want this church to be known for? 
you know, what's the alternative? Like redeemer of bad church decor or something like that, you know? The churches need some redemption in that area, I'm sure. But, you know, I wonder if there's something greater for us, you know? Like, do you want to be known for, uh, you know, redeemed worship music, polished, you know, that sounds great? Like, I'm the worship director. I should want that, you know? But I'm captivated by something more, and I, know, I wonder if... if we are as well. You know, what if we were known as repairers and restorers? God's inviting each one of us to participate in this very thing. This invitation isn't for some. This invitation, God is laying it out for all, every single one of us. If you pour yourselves out, ruins will be rebuilt, and you'll be known for this. You know, there are opportunities uh, for this very thing right here, right now, in our backyard, everywhere we look. You know, we've, we've had texts. We were just reflecting on this um, uh, the other day of how many texts we've got through our um, agency, foster agency, with teens that are literally spending the night in social workers' office buildings because there's nowhere for them to go. There's no person that is willing to take them in. Friends, there is a breach in the wall The walls are down, and there are vulnerable families. There are vulnerable kids. Darkness is running wild in the streets. Satan is having a heyday, feeding off of the brokenness and creating cycle after cycle after cycle of brokenness. And the question is, who's going to repair it? And God's inviting us. He's inviting us to participate in it. He's inviting us. It's through you and it's through me. He's got a plan to rebuild. He's got a plan to restore. It's in his heart. That's what he does. And he's inviting us into it. Nothing excites me more than to see uh, some of these stats of how God's already used us as a community. You know, we've seen through all four of our locations, the number of kids that have been adopted, uh, 21 the number of kids that have been fostered, 74. That is an incredible, those are incredible numbers for the size of church that we are. But friends, what if next year we saw that number doubled? What if next year we saw uh, more stories, more miracles? You know, what if it was a regular occurrence for us at Jubilee to see whole families get reunited, saved, and added to the church? Wouldn't that be amazing? What if we saw miracles of healings on a weekly basis. That was just part of what you experience on a normal basis at this church. You know, if we pour ourselves out, if we satisfy the afflicted, ruins will be rebuilt and we'll be known for this. It's one thing to hear these stories. Let me tell you, it is a completely other thing to participate in them and to witness them firsthand. So good. If you guys want to stand, we're just going to pray. I mean, I actually, coming into this service, I felt like God gave me um, a prophetic word to share. I I had felt like um, I had this picture of a soldier in their foxhole, um, but was too scared. They just wanted to survive. They were too scared to actually stand up and do what they were supposed to do. Um, as a soldier and I just felt like maybe there were people here who heard this message and maybe you have felt 
this ache in your heart for foster and adoptive care, but you felt like my capacity is too full. I just want to survive. I just want to protect. And I just felt like God wanted to really lovingly reach down into the foxhole and say, I have more for you. I have more for you. I have purpose for you. I have plans for you and they're good. Um, I also just felt like maybe that was specifically for empty nesters. Maybe there were some families who you don't have children living in your home and you felt tired and you felt done with the childcare thing. I felt like God wanted to awaken a fire in your heart today for these teens that we've just heard about who are sleeping in offices because they don't have a home to go to. Um, So Lord Jesus, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is here. We thank you that this work isn't dependent on our strength. Lord, it's dependent on your sufficiency. And, And so God, we just say we trust you. If you're speaking to us, we wanna obey you. Lord, all it takes is a yes from us and you will do the rest of the work. So Holy Spirit, come and minister to us. Um, If the prayer team wants to go ahead and come forward, um, I just wanna encourage you, like Thanksgiving is this this week. It's gonna be very easy to leave this building today and forget about what you've heard or forget about what God was talking to you about. So urgently, if you feel like God is putting this in your heart, please come forward and receive prayer. They'll help you with next steps. They'll help you um, discern God's voice in your life. But anyway.